Welcome to this special podcast series, Digital Titans, brought to you by Vita Mojo and Hospitality Mavericks. I'm Amy from Vita Mojo, and I'm excited to take you on this journey as we explore the digital transformation of the hospitality industry. During this series, you'll hear from industry leaders from the likes of Leon, the Azura Group, and Amazon. We'll talk through how they transform their business with digital solutions while meeting the changing needs of the market. Over to Michael and this week's guests. Don't invest in solutions, invest in infrastructure. You know, solutions come and go. You should be thinking agilely about that because as we said, like the pace of change right now is so immense that if you're locking in to something that takes time and is expensive, there's a potential obviously that there's a high degree of wastage because the trend may change, the consumer behavior may shift very rapidly. So if you can lock down that infrastructure that allows you to add those solutions on top at low cost, quickly, well understood. When I say infrastructure, I mean both technical, both digital. This is James Sandrini, co-founder and strategy director at 48.1. And they are a creative agency in London that helps companies to get clarity on their brand and positioning and help them to tell their story clearly to customers and employees. James will in this conversation share some of the best practices he's seen when it comes to digital transformation and how progressive operators are utilizing digital channels to grow sales and build brand relevance. James talks about the power of understanding and communicating what your role is and the customers and employees live now are so critical for success. We talk about that many leaders just trying to copy what works somewhere else and don't strategize on what the right solution is for their brand and business. He shares examples of companies that have used this time we've been through to not only putting out fire, but strategize on the future. James shares how he observed that consumers are now accepting and expect digital ordering as a fundamental factor when they engage and buys from hospitality businesses. He underlined it's so important to understand how your business wants to engage with these channels going forward. And operators right now need to step back and evaluate and understand what channels and tech that works for them. James gives a view on how the future of hospitality looks and talks about the winners of tomorrow and what attributes they have, especially when it comes to digital transformation and branding. He also shares how important it is for hospitality businesses to consider and find new ways of thinking leadership and ways of organizing work. We explore how you can get your frontline people more involved in finding better ways to solve problems at the frontline. If you are a hungry learner when it comes to digital transformation and hospitality, I would strongly recommend you to download a copy of our free report, Digital Transformation of Hospitality, created by Vita Mojo and Cam Media and us here at Hospitality Mavericks. We have interviewed more than 100 leaders across the hospitality industry to understand where they are now, how they're adapting to change, and how the future looks when it comes to digital transformation. You can download the report via the link in the show notes or at www.vitamojo.com under the resource tab. We start this conversation by James giving a short overview of the work they do with some of their clients like Leon, Francomanca, Source Market, and many others. Over to you, James. I'm the co-founder, one of the co-founders and strategy director at 
48.1 is the percentage of people who voted to remain in the referendum, which gives you a timestamp on when we started, a bit of an inkling of our political leanings. Uh, and, and we believe that that's something that translates into our work in that, you know, that was a period of time when, to boil it down, it was a question of, you know, fear or hope. And, and we took the optimistic approach that new challenges, discovery um, w was the way forward. Our lens, our apertures are design, development, content. That's how we solve problems. And we work with brands on those perennial challenges. So acquisition, how to find new audiences, what to do when moving into a new territory, uh, issues around recruitment, issues around positioning. Um, and one thing we'll obviously talk about today, this notion of replacing an analog process with digital. And, and these projects tend to be long-term and, and that's the nature of our relationships with hospitality and, and brands beyond that. We're sector agnostic, but we started in hospitality. That was our first vertical. Um, my background coming from, from that space, a couple of our other directors. So we feel very connected with it. We still work heavily in the space uh, with people like Leon, Frank Manker, GLH Hotels, Bourbon Lobster, brands like that. What kind of things have you been involved in over the uh, the last 12 to, to, to 18 months around digitalization, which is where they really have taken off. It feels like we're just taking that digital roadmap in, a, in an industry that was maybe a bit in the dark ages, as I sometimes say, to suddenly really getting on this digital journey and, and running after retail very fast. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned retail. I mean, I think for people who've worked in retail or, or work with retail, you know, retail had to solve many of the problems that hospitality are facing today, but they faced it at a much lower pace about starting you know a decade or 15 years ago which was as footfall declines not obviously to the degree of having a national lockdown but as footfall was declining how do they remain viable as a business that was always reliant on people physically coming in through the front door uh, some of our challenges uh, we're working on or have worked on during the period with hospitality brands have been around first of all repositioning you know our brands that are renowned for being great face-to-face -face operators how can you bring that element of interactivity into your consumer's lifetime, uh, so into their consumer's life. You know, that's obviously a great challenge. And then on the commercial side, how can you now take something that was a, an analog conversion point, someone coming into your restaurant, into your store, pay money for a service and translate that to online. And some of that is through development, you know, building platforms to allow brands to sell uh, directly to consumers. Uh, but a lot of it is also just around how to position it, how to market it, how to talk about it, how to create content around it to ensure that consumers understand and keep you top of mind in a world which is now driven by aggregators when it comes to consumer relationships, delivery, Uber Eats and the like in, in hospitality at times when obviously delivery has been the dominant force. You know, how can you still be memorable? How can you stand out? How can you drive people to your brand and your service rather than going back to a third party platform where you are undifferentiated? And it's interesting you're saying with the relationship, because that's the, the key thing as well still i guess that you have that relationship with your customers and for a long period of time you couldn't have that relationship with them in your restaurants in your bridge and mortar you needed to bring that online very very quickly what is your view on how good have the industry been at doing that as we have you know went through covid repositioning keeping the relationship with their, you know, super fans or the, the core of their customers? I think everyone can empathize with a singular moment in time when there was no playbook. So when lockdown occurred and every business was forced into a situation that seemed probably existential for, for anyone with bricks and mortar footprint, the veneer fell away. 
and it was down to then your personal values and, and, and what really mattered to you. And that's irrespective of the industry you're in. Within hospitality, I think what that did is it proved, are you an industry, are you an operator that cares greatly about your consumer? Will you find a way to replace what was lost through lockdown and therefore a measure to, to stop people coming into venue and find a way to give your consumer that? Or do you go the other way and say, we've got nothing to give? So what I mean by that is if you define yourself by your product and you say, we can't sell pizza in our restaurant, so close everything down, close the restaurant and we'll open as soon as the government lets us. You've defined yourself in a way that doesn't really match, I think, the majority of consumers' uh, belief about the brands that they frequent and where they spend their money, which is that for all of us, you know, restaurants are a wonderful escape from home and work. And obviously, during a time when home and work have been uh, entirely overlapped, as has, you know, your home become your gym and your chapel and everything else. People have been craving entertainment, they've been craving interaction, they've been craving hospitality. The brands that have won during this period, that have really leapt you know, several tiers in terms of brand awareness and, and brand loyalty, are those that understood their responsibility to their consumers and have created entertaining content, have found ways to interact. And whether that be you know, recipes uh, prepared by chefs on Instagram, or whether that be, uh, you know, meal kits delivered directly to consumers. There's obviously a tangible way to, to bring it. But every brand had the opportunity to say, how do our customers treat us? Or how did they treat us pre-pandemic? What do they care about? What's the gap in their lives? How can we fill it? And the brands, I think, that have struggled with that concept, you know, may not have had the best intentions previously, frankly. You know, it was more of a commercial enterprise because if you say, well, they can't buy our product, therefore there's nothing we can do. To me, that's that's misunderstanding, as I said, the role that restaurants play in people's lives. And I guess that's also where a brand becomes then a commodity. That's what you're talking about as well. You you can only compete on price. Yeah. And that and you allow that. Yeah, yeah. If you if you allow that to happen, you're playing a game which eventually you lose because someone will undercut you on price or be more available or lo more local or whatever they end up doing, outspend you. Your goal through all of this, and every business's goal is this, is to earn a greater connection with people that makes them choose you over an alternative, irrespective of what that alternative may offer. They make you first choice. Every brand, every business, every person is striving to do that in, in their lives. And I think many businesses, frankly, forgot that. It's interesting, and you touched on it, maybe I'm understood that wrong, but you can correct me, that you actually talked about that we had an opportunity to switch on a lot of digital channels but actually what has been really key is actually understanding what your the brand's role their positioning was actually yeah. going back to the idea of the business actually you know stop uh, reassessing what does people want from us in the future and how do we need to to behave and act in that both to our customers also to our employees uh, is it more now when you see brands they the the, the, the strong the, the, the titans you can say they use the digital channel they talk more about how they can scale their story and brand on different channels than it's about growing sites is that what you see is that a, a theme you're seeing as in the moment certainly yeah i mean digital is a channel and because digital involves a great degree of technology that is relatively opaque to people it's easy to get confused that digital requires its own entire mentality there's certainly channel specific uh ways of doing things and approaches that will work on specific channels and whether that be you know audio or video or social or website or wherever it may be and, and that is the case but fundamentally 
it's a representation of who you are as a brand. You need consistency across these channels. Your last point there around maybe where future growth is for these businesses, certainly the days of brands aiming to scale to 100 venues and fill every corner of the country appeared to be over. And that realistically was probably over pre-COVID because the market was pretty soft. And, uh, you know, the era when people were, were when VCs were, were buying large restaurant groups in the aim of, of growing them further and selling them on uh, was proven to be um, misaligned, you know, with where the marketplace was. So I think that was already changing. But yes, the, the future, I think, as we see it, if we think about the brands that are going to succeed over the next five years, will be brands that take the equity that's within their brand, the people that care about them, the name they've created, and think about how to convert their offer, their core offer, into something applicable for a variety of channels that they can then distribute. And that might be partnerships with supermarkets. It might be working via delivery partners or setting up their own delivery. There still be a role for bricks and mortar and restaurants, cookbooks, whatever it is that, that makes sense for your brand. But there's no playbook to say, this is exactly what you do and this will work. One of the, the immediate uh, red flags for me is when you see a restaurant take their in-store experience, put it all on delivery, dish by dish and say, well, yeah, it works in store, so put it on delivery. Not thinking about the difference between eating that dish in store and at home after it's traveled to you for 30 minutes or having it in store versus, you know, being surrounded by your kids and your dog at home, you know, in the living room. These things are different worlds. And the trying to, to mimic what has worked for you in store and then just apply it to a channel, again, I think it's a misunderstanding of the medium, but it's also just, it's the basic elements of what hospitality should be about, which is interacting with your consumer empathizing with them, making their day. I think if, if brands sometimes forgot the word digital was in the middle and just put themselves in the customer's shoes, they would solve these challenges without you know, the need for, for someone like us or, or yourself or, or whatever. It's, it's, there's, there's, a, there's a fundamental gap sometimes with how people translate what's worked with what will work due to this, this sort of connective tissue in the middle that um, is, is so often corrupted. One of the things I picked up there, James, is that you talked about this, you know, you know, everybody needs their own playbook, their own blueprint. They need to really find out what works for them as they are scaling their brand and using the digital channels. Because often what I see, and I don't know if you see that as well, is that, oh, the neighbor is doing a home delivery of home cooking meat or ready meals. I'm going to do that without actually thinking true. Does that actually what my super fans want? Is that actually what the, the because you're every every brand has some super fans. Some have thousands, some have hundreds of thousands different. And I, I think I've seen some operator be really good at going back actually looking at their customers and actually understanding first what is it that they need in this situation? How are they feeling? How are they eating? What do they need to feel more certain in their life? And how can we be part of that in the 24 hours they have every day? Is that some of the things you've seen again from, from the really savvy operators? You can see me smiling here because I've had this conversation many times. It's the difference between an operational and strategic mindset. You know, in hospitality rewards an operational day-to-day, get-it-done mentality. And it's built on that. And the people who, who in the main, uh, develop in senior roles have come from an operational background, which is urgent, face-to-face, see the problem, solve the problem, reward people who, who run, you know, reward rather than people who think sometimes. That mentality uh, enables, unfortunately, a, a type of behavior which is super reactive. And what works best today? Well, they're doing it and it works. Go get it, bring it in. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. We'll change something next week. Rather than a strategic mindset of building a foundation and then building on that foundation. And ultimately, customers 
the pure commercials of it react to the second one, which is this brand fills a role in my life. I understand what I get from it. It is consistent with its message. And I know, therefore, when I need to react to it and when I will favor it. The more the brand sort of, uh, you know, the fish out of the water sort of shaking wildly, the more that people try and react in situations, the less customers feel comfortable with it because they just don't know what they're interacting with. And it's, it is an industry that's obviously very well networked, very tight. People move around regularly. And there's a lot of this worked here. Let's bring it in because of the short term gain. You know, if I'm a decision maker and I know that I'm going to be in that role for a year, I don't really have much time to spend on the three month plan that then gets executed over a two or three year period. I'm also probably not uh, KPI'd or, 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 or the measurables aren't there for me to determine that. But I'm not measured on that in my role. So people work on short timeline. What's the quick fix? How can we solve it now? And this isn't a small business issue. This is across, you know, startup, SME and enterprise in the space. And again, I'm not suggesting that everyone does that. I'm suggesting it's uh, too often, unfortunately, it is the case. Super interesting what you're saying there. Do you think there's some examples already maybe outside, inside hospitality in the world that already are so companies that are already operating on that kind of approach, the more strategic kind of approach and building the, the foundations and, and was more ready for, nobody knew there was a pandemic coming, but more ready actually to push a bit back on it and actually, you know, keep the ship going. If we were looking outside hospitality, there are innumerate and we could be talking all day. Uh, even just across the river, as it were, accommodation is a much more strategic approach. It is a more numbers driven, it, retention is greater. Plans to redevelop sites are work over five to seven years. You pay back over a longer period of time. The model there, it has to be strategic in many ways. Equally, differentiation, with the exception of location uh, and price, becomes a real challenge. So hotels work in a more strategic manner. In hospitality, there are certainly examples. And I think, you know, a brand that you know, we really favor, we don't work with, unfortunately, Rose is tight. You know, they are uh, led by... A just strategically motivated team, people that want to think further ahead, see into the future and work backwards from that. They introduce digital channels, you know, long time previous. They have a very robust delivery arm. They don't treat delivery just like the restaurant experience. And they have a team behind it who work collectively to continue to innovate in that business. Um, you know, Leon, who we work with, you know, they are always looking at a new opportunity, always looking to innovate, very partnership-led, thinking about new ways to bring Leon to a consumer, but built on a strong values-based foundation, where, again, for the consumer, even if they see it in a new medium and they see it on a new channel, it still sings and breathes and feels Leon. And that's the key, is that it, everything about the foundation should allow you to be more agile. Um, what we see too often, I think, in hospitality, and indeed every industry, is something is ill-thought-out, it's experimented with, it fails, and then it's not returned to. And, and that's a mindset that when that happens too often, you lose people and you lose customers because people lose faith. And that's, again, where this foundation, making sure that decisions are made in mind of what you're trying to achieve over the long term, that's where it all pays off for you. It's not an easy thing to do. And it is certainly a mindset that needs to, a mindset shift sometimes. Um, in businesses but but ultimately it pays off it's quite interesting around the strategic kind of things because you know i've been very lucky to talk with a lot of people through the pandemic um and there's been a lot about talk about data we've done great work with vita mojo as well and it always come back to i've seen these people uh, that sits and talk about they've actually spent some time on collecting their data and organizing their data and actually when i talk about customer data here and understanding what is actually going on 
and what do we need to get in place to actually better read that data as we go forward quicker to actually build the data foundation is that one of you see that as many many of them talk about this is one of the steps we really need to do really well before we start scaling other digital initiatives now we have all this data coming in now we really need to understand what works and doesn't work you tend to see a couple of steps in adoption. The first one is we need to build lists, we need to gather data, we need to build a database. And that might be product-led and, and uh, hospitality is a good example of an industry that's had to be data-led on the product side for a long time to ensure stock taking and for operational benefits. Customer, The customer stack, as it were, is further behind. Businesses are starting to accrue some of that data or place value on that far more recently. And, and therefore businesses may be further behind than they could otherwise be in terms of building that database. Understanding and developing insight is the hard bit. And there aren't many people in the average hospitality. But I mean, bear in mind, you know, when we think about, if we look at our clients and we think about a retail brand that might have 50 sites and a hospitality brand that might have 50 sites, I can guarantee that retail brand probably has a marketing team of 20. I can guarantee the hospitality brand might have a marketing team of two or three. And they have to be all rounders. They have to be generalists. They get pulled into the operation regularly. Who is this person? Who are these people? What is the team? They're going to really develop insights based on the data that's being gathered. And there's a lot of data. And I think one of the challenges for an operator right now, I remember my time in operations going back away, I woke up in the morning at 6am to 10 reports. So I can only imagine what it's like now, you know, a decade on for people. They're overwhelmed with information. It's not that there is a lack of information. It's what to do with it. Where is the cut through? What can I action? But equally, as we mentioned, some of those actions are going to be today. You know, what can I do today to get the restaurant full versus or labor productivity or, you know, an issue with retention or whatever it may be. But really, that data is there to chart longer term trends, to think about what happens next and to plan for the future. And these two things work hand in hand, which is enabling the data to have value in your business, ensuring that there is insight that's drawn from it but then also giving that the opportunity to think further down the line about what that could do for you. That's a lot to come together, you know, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a real shift in mindset for, for operators. What about um, if we, we take it down and start to, and we took like a conclusion on how, how, how far we come on this digital journey in hospitality, in your view, it was like a McKinsey study done in 2016, where hospitality was in the, the rock bottom compared to both on customer technology, but also on uh, what you could call it internal workforce capability technology. Where are we now? you think after uh, 12, 14 months of rowing forward with the, the digital roadmap? Certainly further along, the adoption period, obviously for every industry when it comes to the role of digital, has been massively sped up and it's allowed industries that may have been further behind to change. Now, I would challenge any oper operator at this point not to see the value in digital, uh, not because of the uh, spectre of another lockdown, but just because consumer behaviour has shifted to that medium. You know, Deliveroo... Uh, you look at the role of Deliveroo, the amount of people now, especially in urban centers, who order multiple times per week, you know, that being the norm. Deliveroo, I think some stats from earlier lockdown were suggesting their fastest growing audience were people 60 plus, people who would never have used a third party delivery online platform previously, but obviously had no option. Well, now that is part of their life. You know, it's something that they've embraced and adopted. So it, it, the audience has shifted radically in terms of their expectation and operators have had to keep up. And I think what we, we're in an interesting period. Like we're having this conversation uh, very soon after uh, lockdown has lifted uh, to some degree, and people are allowed back into uh, into venues. There are operators, you know, clients of ours or, or people we know in the space, who want things to return to normal. They want to roll back 
and say, we were a great business. Our goal is to bring that great business now into 2021 and the future without any great change. And there are others who have taken the time to think things have shifted. What can we do for perhaps what 2022 looks like, 2023 looks like, and so on. The pace of change has uh, made, the pace of change has left some haves and some have nots. And that's the very difficult thing, I think, for, for the hospitality industry right now. But certainly the adoption has been there. Technology has, one of the challenges, I think, just to slightly diverge from that, is, as we said about data, being overwhelmed with data. Now you're overwhelmed with potential technology, all of which does similar enough things to be seen as the panacea, the solution to your problem. But it's the Wild West. You know, all sorts of things have come out that haven't been tested particularly well, the customers don't really understand or care about, and operators are trying to shoehorn them in because it's the latest thing to do, be on more channels, be more available, have digital to solve the solution without coming back to brand positioning, without coming back to understanding that consumer relationship. So digital transformation, absolutely, that has occurred to a great degree in hospitality, but is the experience greater as a result? That I think is something we'll review in the next few months and get a feeling from um, and I, I wonder whether we're going to see progress there. It's interesting because I, I also believe there's been switched a lot of channels on. Now it's finding out which one serves, you know, my audience best and where can I actually get the experience. I know uh, Union Square Hospitality, led by Danny Meyer, uh, are going to continue having digital channels switch on, but they are really evaluating what are people coming for in the restaurant and what do we need to do for them when they're home? So actually, when they're home, we're building up the mentor to visit us maybe once, twice a year for that special occasion. Yeah. And we know that. So therefore, that's like the lead-in. It's almost, he's, they are, he said, I see I see very different at my business now. I don't expect people to come to my restaurant if I hadn't created an experience outside the restaurant. Now, that was super interesting, Danny Meyer, because he's all about this face-to-face human kind of thing and he actually also now sees the opportunity to build human relationship in in the digital space which i thought was super interesting you know one of one of the the, the big players in in the global context challenge and opportunity you know previously your if you build personas about people who came to your venues it was probably quite easy to box someone in and say this is the person who comes after work late in the week has a drink with a couple of workmates and that would have put them in a box and that was their only way to interact with you and that's the only time you saw them. Now, that same consumer could be the Monday at home delivery consumer as much as they are the Thursday come for a drink consumer. That's a, cha- that's a challenge because it means that these you know neat little boxes are, are no longer fit for purpose. But it's a great opportunity to engage your audience and appreciate that people are not segments on a database, but human beings who go through all sorts of different emotions during the course of a week, want brands to alarm, want consistency. You know, everyone has a, a busy, hectic life, particularly if you live in, in London, somewhere like that. And at various points in the week, you want to have someone you can rely on. And there's a great opportunity for brands to think about their audience a little bit more nuanced in that vein. But again, it's something that will, it's evolving at pace. And that's probably one of the challenges for, for operators to think, well, how long will these channels be necessary? How long will these channels be that person's preferred channel? But I think it's, again, it, it's embracing a mindset of a little bit more experimentation uh, building the solid foundation and then working agilely on top of it and treating consumers like human beings who have a, a great variety of different needs and goals that change regularly. So if if we look forward into to the future and we started opening again, some will go back, as you said, uh, doing what they did before, operating primarily 
bricks and mortar, and then there are some that will focusing on having all the digital channels switched on as they do bricks and mortar as well. And then, then you have the the ones that's really maybe just going to go digital and say, that's it, that's what we do. What is your view? What's going to happen in the market and, and how is this going to roll out? I guess we, as you said, we're not going to see massive change rolling out hundreds and hundreds of sites. It's going to be few of those and probably QSR sector. But what, what is your, your thinking uh, with all the things we, we talked through now? You'd expect to see some consolidation in the space. I think the role of partnerships will increase in that brands won't be as protective over the proprietary experience. We'll be looking for more help, frankly, both in funding and development of products to be a multi-channel operator. And that's the key is less reliance on bricks and mortar more opportunity to be a success across a a wide variety of channels. The expectation now is a minimum is delivery, click and collect um, and meal kit and and possibly also things like pay at table and order at table, depending on where you sit in the marketplace, but actually being proficient and creating products, creating propositions, using the brand equity that's in place to reach new markets. And that could be national or that could be people who would never come to the restaurant. I think hospitality underestimates how strong that brand equity is. You know, for us, when we speak to clients not from hospitality and we speak about some of our hospitality clients, they know them all. They pass them. They, they go into their venues. Hospitality brands need to build on that. That's a great uh, asset right now that I think is underdeveloped. What about, uh, we talked a lot about the customer experience and turning on digital channels. Digitalization is also quite relevant, I guess, for building brand internally because you haven't had period of times over the last 12, 18 months, being able to be together with your people and build culture because as a big part of a brand, in my view, is culture. And digitalization can really help you fuel the culture if you know to use it in the right way. 100%. Yeah, we, I mean, look, as us as an agency, we relied on over-the-shoulder management like most companies do for as long as we were able to do that. That's how we were trained. It's how we were developed. So it's what we relied upon. The moment that the pandemic hit, it was great nerves on on nervousness on our side that, you know, what happens when people work from home? You know, how do you trust them? Um, and what turned out, unsurprisingly, really, when we look at it in the cold light of day, is that people became more productive. They found an environment in which they were comfortable to work. They care about their work and then they produced. And, and we should have given them that trust sooner. In hospitality, it doesn't work in quite the same way. As obviously you have operational roles where you need people physically on the floor or behind the bar or, or wherever they sit. But there's an element now where that work-life balance hopefully can be enhanced when the communication that digital allows uh, ensures that you can have more of a democratic approach to decision-making. People's voices can be heard. You know, the opportunity for people to uh, swap shifts or to learn from home rather than coming in for a training session. Um, you know, there's there's a lot there, I think, that digital has always had the potential effect to support uh, in the employee life cycle. And again, you know, smart brands have turned that on for a long time. I think being able to managers on shift aren't necessarily always the greatest developers of talent. You know, it's two very different skills. I mean, when I was a waiter, I thought I was a good waiter. And then I was made a manager and I was an awful manager. And eventually over time, I figured out how it was done because they're two completely different jobs. And there's an awfully large reliance at the moment on people who don't have great management experience to train, develop and, and actually provide a lot of care, concern, consideration, uh, and a a point for uh, team members to refer to without having that development. So, you know, digital can help to develop those individuals, but it can also provide more outlets for people to be able to voice their concerns and hopefully to help the operation 
by saying, here's my experience, here's what I think we should be doing about it. Let's do it. Super interesting because, yeah, I, I agree. It's like people and digitalized tools is actually what the flows into the, the business. And actually, that's where we can actually, you know, enable the business and the brand in, in many ways. Just to say, I mean, you know, anyone at the age of what, 30, 35 is a digital native. For them, they've grown up reliant on digital to communicate with their friends, to find out information. All you're doing as a brand at this point, really for many consumer facing brands, is keeping up with consumer facing technology. And if your team member comes in and they use a, you know, a POS system from what looks like 1986, there's an element in their mind where they're thinking, well, this would be easier on my phone. This would be easier on my own personal device. I think that's where, again, there's an expectation now brands provide consumer level technology throughout the operation. And, th and that, that is happening, but it's happening probably not at the pace of, of obviously broader technological change. As we talk with this, I'm thinking about how, how will digitalization change the way we work? You talked about democratizing decision processes, and this is a lot of work we do. And we always said when we do work, we use technology to do the the improve the employee journey because that's the the smartest things to do put technology in as the change in april uh, how is that going to change the way we we operate a lead organization you talked uh, you talked about the managers have all the knowledge make all the decisions uh is there any like radical thing you see in other industries where i become more agile i'm thinking top of my mind how retail is now having this uh agile store kind of movement is going on and you also think about lego's factory settings became much more agile and they had these self-managed team going on uh in lego and before there was like one boss on the factory now there's small groups running their own little enterprise in principle is that something you think is going to happen with this huge digitalization of the industry as well it's a hierarchical industry and in many ways, for good good reason, you know, there's a militancy to great service in terms of structure and process, particularly generally with younger teams. I'm talking front of house here and back of house um, rather than, you know, HQ, but generally younger teams, generally a high level of turnover, uh, certainly compared to other industries. So you need an element of process that obviously underpins. And that, and that I think, um, is not going anywhere. I think the opportunities, particularly for multi-site operators where, where we live, the space that we, we support, is thinking about teams across the organization who are in a similar position. So Spotify, one thing they do brilliantly with their teams is they think not just up and down hierarchically. So, you know, you are a manager or a senior manager or director, whatever it may be, but also across. So they provide outlets for people in the same role across the organization or same level of seniority or experience to come together. And I think that's something that hospitality can embrace through technology now having creating digital channels for people to communicate and, and have a peer group have people that they can ask questions have people that they can um you know try and understand why a decision was made or to come up together with a solution to a problem and you know everybody knows what it's like in an organization if one person comes up to you with an idea it's very easy to dismiss it if five people come up with an idea because they've had that opportunity to communicate then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a potential uprising on your hands if you don't do something. It, it all of a sudden carries a lot more weight. And I think that's an opportunity to aid retention, to aid communication, also to aid innovation, you know, and, and it's not, this is what an area that hospitality is relatively untapped, I think, or as, sorry, has, has failed to tap as, as much as it could, which is, as we said, digital native workers who are themselves consumers, who go to, you know, the average uh, age of the people who are most prolific in restaurants probably also matches the people working in your environment 
how can you harness all of that knowledge, all of those ideas and bring them into your organization and do so in a structured way to ensure that people don't feel like they weren't listened to and they were let down? Um, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think when we look at other sectors as well, you know, the role of reverse mentoring is growing, thankfully, because you're really tapping into where someone's speciality is. And oftentimes, you know, someone who's 50 plus doesn't always have a great understanding of technology. And the person who's 21, who might have only been there three weeks, does. Well, the, the, the 21 year old is not going to make the decision on behalf of the company, but he can certainly, he or she can certainly make the claim to the person at the top of the tree in a manner where they have the best interests of the business at heart, but they also understand the consumer. Yeah, so far I'm sitting here smiling if people could see me. We, we just uh, been in the process of hire um, a young person in and part of that recruitment process, they said, so what are you going to learn me? And then he uh, took up his phone, found my our Instagram profile and said, you have a lot to learn how to use this better. And then he said, these are the three things. And I said, uh, yeah, just tell me. And uh, it was like reverse mentoring. But again, I know what I can give that person in the, uh, in, on his life journey. I can give wisdom. So it's a bit like that identity thing that actually there's a lot of things you don't know. And you actually can take your... Uh, commander control identity and actually put it away and actually become more the uh, the Merlin, the wise person that's actually, you know, learning, but also like giving life skills to these people, because that's actually what they want in their jobs, often the young people. And I think that's a misboat as well. And actually, technology can help with that. I've seen some of my clients been really good at working with Zooms and have what you call liberate structure meetings, which is actually about listening to everybody's ideas, no matter who is the highest paid person in the room. And actually, it's crazy the solutions they found through the pandemic by doing that and trying to suddenly have different conversation by the help of digitalization. They, of course, they had the time now to actually to sit down and find out how they do that because you can't get everybody into a room in a restaurant. Some people are off, some on holiday, but you can almost get 90% of your team on a Zoom call and have conversations but you need to make sure you facilitate those conversations in the right way so it's about the approach again the strategy of using the channels to to optimize digitalization i think for many managers they struggle with the idea that younger workers seem somewhat entitled that they have high expectation demand to move through the organization at pace uh, i certainly remember from my experiences you know a head chef when I was younger, when I first started out in the trade, may have been working for 10 years to get that job. And then you'd have people who were a commie one day and asking to be a sous chef six months later. So when we think about what can aid retention, but also give people a real grounding and understanding of their role in the business and how to grow beyond just a job role, um, I certainly think giving them a seat at the table, you know, making sure that they feel like they are a part of a decision-making structure. Hospitality is never going to be out, able to outpay. You know, one of the challenges, obviously, for um, operators right now is that previously the competition was another restaurant down the road. Now it's retail and retail has far greater margin to work with and far greater scale. So they might start at 10 pounds an hour, they might start at 11, 12, you know, in the States, 15 pounds an hour isn't uncommon in retail spaces uh, or $15 an hour perhaps. But if you can't win on pay, what, where can you win? And working as a team, working in a structure where people can be heard, particularly because the hospitality operation, while we've said it obviously relies on structure and process it absolutely does but the sort of superficial elements are very open to change on a daily basis you know should we move the trays from here to there i think that would be a good idea let's try it you know and that's the kind of thing actually however minor 
that makes people feel emboldened and feel like they're part of something and want to work harder for that. It's super interesting. There's, there's an organization I spent the last couple of years looking a lot in, in the States called the, the Singerman's Community. And it's a community of business and they have not scaled and just copied their brand. People have asked them to open all over the country, but they stay in one area and then they open, maybe they have a coffee business, they have a deli business, they have a catering business they have an e-commerce business and the e-commerce business of course has saved them but they built that you know the brand as we talked about but they're also very aware about on that journey exactly all about bottom up it's the employees that knows where the business has to go they talk with the customers and they have these open book management meetings where everybody shares the financials and they're an extreme version that actually this can work in hospitality and i think and danny meyer has in his group, something similar, maybe a bit different, but there is examples out there of hospitality business that does this really, really well, even pre-pandemic. And now they have used, I know from a couple of articles, Ari, the founder has written, now they have used digitalization to, to, to do it oftener, to be better at collaborating, because he said, if we are not collaborating, we're not going to be here in the future. That's for sure. The role of digital, if it did nothing else, should be seen as an opportunity to be more transparent because more, more information is available at a more rapid pace. So in the future, you know that might be using blockchain technology to uh, create transparent supply chains and make it very clear where products have come from and, and how they've come to your plate. Perhaps that doesn't have practical application, but uh, it, right now anyway, for the majority of brands, but there's an element here where what digital can allow is transparency and decision-making. And that so often is what people, f- if it isn't there, can what make people feel excluded and really voids all the motivation they may have in the enterprise. You know, that's something, again, I, I agree with the notion of trying to be as open as possible in an educational format to the team about where the business is going, you know, and what how decisions have been made and why something has happened. Because so often that's the missing link. It's just the why. Help me understand. And equally, when we talk about the growth of the team member, you know, then becoming, uh, converting from a way to a, a, a bartender, whatever it may be, into a manager, they need the why because that gives them the tools to be able to solve the problems themselves. Is there any skills and knowledge, James, we we are missing in hospitality organization to actually, you know, facilitate the digital journey faster and better? It's a good question. Um, I think, you know, we talked about strategic mindset and I certainly think, you know, building from a foundation, as we said, you know, digital is a way of doing things. It's an approach rather than an end goal. You know, digital transformation may be a brief that we might receive, but in of itself, it has to work to something greater. Uh, so I think it's it's the foundation is really important. I think with anything like this, if it's a priority for the business, you need to prove it's a priority in your approach. So it needs champions. It needs a team. It needs to be at board level. You know, it needs a roadmap. It needs auditing along the way. You know, if you pr- play something like this, because it's an invasive approach to change your business, whether that be purely confu- consumer facing or uh, involving the operation internally, to, to digital, digitalize various processes takes time, takes money. There will be mistakes. It will cause friction. People won't like the change in, inevitably various levels of the organization. So to do it, you have to greatly commit. And it doesn't happen overnight either. So I think the core is, it, it, like anything, you know, if you have a chief uh, financial officer, you, even as an interim role, potentially, you need a chief digital transformation officer. You need someone at the top of the tree who's accountable at board level, who can lead a team with a budget, to solve this challenge. And then you should be checking in on it, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out to see what the progress is like. Treat it as importantly as that, you'll see the results. Don't treat it importantly and put it on the side and say, it's a nice to have. You won't see anything because it's such a massive change. You know, it's, it's not something we, you know, press a couple of switches and, and you're on the way. 
Um, I think the other thing there is accepting a little bit of trial and error, uh, accepting some experimentation, particularly when it comes to how you then employ digital. So, you know, the, the value at this stage of the role of digital in any industry is that it gives you this great agility. You can switch things on and off, you know, per site, you know, brands we work with where you might trial something in a certain venue over a certain delivery channel and you get the data from it and you come back two weeks later and you say, are we on track? You know, you come back and look six months later, should we roll it out everywhere? You've got those opportunities if you put this at the heart of your thinking when it comes to a product release. But that's the point is it, it really only relates to a way of doing things, not an end result. And that I think too often is, again, slightly misunderstood. It becomes a goal because it's a great buzzword to say we're going through a tra digital transformation process rather than thinking, what could digital transformation allow us to do? And when you put that roadmap together, that's the question that needs to be at the top of the tree. Yeah, and I guess there's a lot of people that start the journey without likely have agreed in the organization. What is our definition of digital transformation? Because it's actually okay to have different definitions. You don't need to do what everybody else is doing. You can have your definition. And, I, and I, what I've seen, uh, there's one thing switching on the technology. There's some practical things, some operational things, but where the biggest problem becomes is actually changing the operating systems and the people's behaviors that becomes the really big challenge when you really start to turn on a lot of digital and want it to work seamless because exactly it's human behavior that decides if it's going to be rolled out or not massively and, and that's a very to, to ensure that an entire organization is working towards that is a heavy lifting process where you can't always be around to, to, to note what's happening and if i think about a chef, um, you know, technology that enables a chef to uh, chart how much wastage they're putting in the bin. So they go to the bin every time they put something in there or KP or whichever team member's doing it. They go to the bin and they press carrot and then they put the carrot in and it weighs it and then you can tell how many carrots you're wasting a week, something like that. To get a KP to do that, to get a commie chef to do that is a huge undertaking. And you probably have to stand with them and do it every day for three weeks, four weeks before it becomes habitual based on the fact that they've never done it before and equally then prime focus at the time might not be thinking about that particular goal of the business however many memos you've said or how many meetings you've had about it it takes that kind of focus i think and care and attention and putting it at the top of the list of the priorities so you know you say to that team member at the end of the shift the first thing you might ask is did you weigh your carrots you know and, and reinforcing it time and time again you know it's a tough job it's not straightforward. And I think it's somewhat underestimated on occasion. You, it's, yeah, we could go on about this one for a while, I think, based on based on the frustrations. But we were going into what I call uh, behavioral change. And that, yeah. that's, a, that's a top subject for any industry or any business. And everybody's going through that right now. We're all changing behavior, conscious and unconscious, in a way. Coming to, to an end and trying to pull it all to, together, James, what is a, the unfair question? You're giving already a lot of advice and thinking and wisdom, but it was the one piece of advice you will give to leaders out there on this digital journey. They could be starting it, they could be a bit further, but what's like, get one thing in place. I certainly think it's finding someone in the operation who can lead this. And that's not always the CEO or MD or founder. You know, uh, finding someone that feels very comfortable with the concept. Um, I think, as we mentioned before, about identifying a challenge that needs solving, being very specific about exactly what this is going to do and working towards that target will ensure that there's limited wastage. So it's not a case of taking on digital for the sake of digital technology for the sake of technology. Certainly over the last 12 months, I think we've seen a lot of that in brands where there is a bit of snake charming, you know, and, and it may be that this thing solves the problem. Well, what was the problem? 
do we know that before we institute something to try and solve it? Was it a problem? Did the consumer care about it? Did the team members care about it? I think the other thing is don't invest in solutions, invest in infrastructure. You know, solutions come and go and you should be thinking agilely about that because as we said, like the pace of change right now is so immense that if you're locking in to something that uh, takes time and is expensive, there's a potential, obviously, that there's a high degree of wastage because the trend may change. The consumer behavior may shift very rapidly. So if you can lock down that infrastructure that allows you to add those solutions on top at low cost, quickly, well understood. When I say infrastructure, I mean both te- both technical, both digital, you know, but also, as we just spoke about, a mindset, education in the business, an understanding of it. You know, how many marketing uh, campaigns fail because the GMs just didn't get it or didn't care? frankly. And and it's building a foundation for that so that everyone is seeing off the same hymn sheet and understands what you're doing it for. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, it's a big ask of any operation to go through that. And I think every business should also just audit where they are. Is this the priority? Can it be the priority? Can it be the thing that they focus on over the next three, six, nine months, however long it's going to take, knowing that the rest of the organization is stable and there is time and headspace and budget available? to do it and do it right. Great, great, James. That's some really good advice there as well. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience, wisdom and insights on digital transformation in in the industry. Looking forward to connect with you again here very shortly in the future. I can see that uh, this is probably going to move so fast that, you know, if we have a conversation in six months time, we are a different place and we will talk about new examples because it's a it's a fast moving thing so i wish you and and your team as well energy and power to 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 uh to the new world we are going into slowly and uh, we'll speak soon really appreciate it let's keep talking thank you so much james for your great insights on digital transformation and how some of the best operators are transforming the way they think about strategy leadership and branding If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share it with anyone you think would benefit. The Digital Titan series is brought to you by the wonderful people at VitaMojo, the technology company powering the best food and drink businesses in the UK and Europe. Trusted by leading brands including Nando's, Brewhouse and Kitchen, Leon and Yo Sushi. VitaMojo helps operators transform their operation through technology. Check them out at www www.vitamojo.com or contact them directly at sales at vitamojo.com. You can download the free digital transformation of hospitality report via the link in the show notes or through the Vitamojo website under the resource tab. Thank you for listening.